0: As
1: a pet phrase, it'll do, do, do. She'll be It' nothing to it. Make me happy, you can do it. With a cheerful little earful of the well-known I love you.
2: Welcome to episode 253 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where we get to know their creators of certified and bona fide Good stuff for kids and families, and I don't know about you, but I really needed what I just heard. That was Diana Panton. The song is called A Cheerful Little Earful. It's from her brand new album, A Cheerful Little Earful. And I personally needed A Cheerful Little Earful. I think the reasons go without saying. I think if you're a parent and you're listening to this, it's all kind of happening all at the same time. Trying to work, trying to balance all the needs of the kids, all of the family responsibilities, all the dishes... Oh, man, all the dishes. I really needed to hear Diana's music today. So I'm really thrilled to present this conversation that I had with Diana. And then at the very end of the episode, you can hear the whole song, a cheerful little earful in its entirety. I want to encourage you. You can go back. All of the past episodes of the Good Stuff Kids podcast are available. Just go to goodstuffpod.com. Email me, goodstuffpod at gmail.com. Follow me on social media, the at symbol, Pod. Think you got a friend that would enjoy it? Tag him. Tag away. Look, nothing's going st- to... I'm not going to... I'll phrase it this way. I'm not going to stop you from tagging anyone. You know, it's not my thing. You want to tag someone on social media and-, and share the Good Stuff Kids podcast? By all means, I'm not going to stop you. In fact, I would thank you. So thanks in advance. Here is Diana Panton. Talk to you very soon.
1: Kids podcast.
2: It is a great day to welcome my new friend... I knew like I can say that it's so great Diana Panton <laughs> to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you today?
3: I'm great, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on the air.
2: Ah, uh, it's a true and total pleasure. Right out of the bat, I uh, the the uh the Good Stuff Kids podcast is founded on honesty and founded on uh, transparency, and I'm going to be transparent and say that you and I had a miscommunication, and I accidentally left you hanging one day, and I want to, in as public a way as possible, apologize for that on my end. You were- no
3: need to do it. Stuff happens, right?
2: <laughs> I, do, I do believe that happens, but I- uh, Okay,
3: well, you're formally forgiven.
2: All right, good. So we did it. We got it out of the way, right out of the, back, yeah. right out of the gate. So- so you are a musician and you just put out your second I would say family record but before we get into that you there this is a you you have a different take on on family music. I don't think it's uh it's out of line to say that, but you you have a lot of different kinds of experiences than a lot of other folks that I have talked to for the show. So can you just give me a little bit about your your musical background and I mean, even I think what's really cool is is where you are right now. You know, like so where are you geographically and what do you do? Like just just paint a little bit of a picture for us.
3: Sure. So I'm in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It's a blue collar town and uh I find even sometimes in Canada when I say I'm from Hamilton, people seem somewhat surprised that I'm singing jazz there. Not exactly sure why, there's jazz everywhere. Um, but that's my first, my first musical love, and so I started um, in a community group in Hamilton, a 25-piece band, and we would play, you know, various theaters and f- stages around the city, and that's how I got started when I was just a teenager. And that I stayed with that band for quite a while, and then at a certain point, you know, the idea of uh, trying it out on my own and going solo came around. I was very fortunate to have met uh, Don Thompson, who I still work with, and he's one of my mentors and now collaborators on piano and bass, the Vibes, and you hear him on the recording. Oh, wow. And uh, he invited Reg Schwager in um, to the situation, and so we've been a trio now since our first recording together, which was back in 2004, and uh, we recorded a number of albums together, Um, And it was the one we did in 2007, which was called If the Moon Turns Green, that included a few songs, and I was getting parents uh, emailing me saying, oh, I love using Moon River or Fly Me to the Moon as a bedtime uh, lullaby song for my kids. And there was just one week where I was getting a lot of these emails, and I It was no longer random. It sort of seemed like a sign, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thought, uh, well, maybe if they're using one or two of these songs for children, maybe I should be making something where the whole album would be suitable. Because for sure, there was always some songs that could work as crossovers, but some of them lyrically wouldn't work, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thought, um, let's see what we can do. And basically, that was the premise behind how I approached making the family albums, was not to really change the style because I knew from these parents that the style was already working. And so I didn't simplify, if that makes sense, any of the um, harmonies or lyrics or anything like that. I just looked for songs that I felt lyrically could work for, for some of the younger listeners out there. Mm-hmm. And that gave birth to I Believe in Little Things, which was the first um, children's album Um, I did a short interview on NPR and, uh, I mean, when I say short, it was about six minutes Mm -hmm. and the response from that was just incredible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And to give you an example, it went to number one on the movers and shakers chart for uh, Amazon.com, which was for any genre. It wasn't Uh just for kids' music. Um, And so that was just incredible because here I was sort of taking... Uh, as you said, a sort of novel stance on children's music, um, melding it with jazz and not really even being sure how well it would be received. And all of a sudden, here it was, this melding of genres was number one across all genres. I was not expecting that. And uh, I remember at the time, it, it stayed on that chart until Prince passed away. Um, and it that bumped it off. Oh,
2: well, look, enough, if, you know? Right, if you're going to get unseated... Let's get a yeah. by Prince. But that is how, you know, that's yeah. just how
3: strange it was. I mean, it was it was topping charts with major really major pop stars rock stars and um so that was that was I mean slightly confounding to me actually, but um but wonderful. And then I actually um it it charted on Bill, Billboard simultaneously on both the children's chart and the jazz chart. Um which I think is really interesting because I really think it can be listened to by pretty much any age. And um, the publicist uh, that I was working with at the time um, asked me, you know, what age group are you thinking about? And I said, I don't know. And when she heard the music, she goes, I don't know if you need to pick one. Yeah. So we've kind of proceeded that way since then with just um, leaving it sort of open-ended and anyone who's interested in checking out some jazz. And it's, it's pretty much available, I think, to all listeners. So.
2: Absolutely. It's very accessible. And sometimes jazz is not, you know? So, like, Mm -hmm. I've spent plenty of time listening to, like, some of the giants, right? Like, John Coltrane, Miles Davis jump out. And while some of it is, like, extremely accessible, and, like, Mm -hmm. you you could even call it, like, for lack of a better word, because I'm not trained in this stuff, like a Mm -hmm. pop song, right? Like, so What by Miles Davis is is like, you know, that that's like a five-minute single or a four-minute mm-hmm. single. But there's lots and lots and lots of other jazz that I've listened to that's not so accessible mm-hmm. unless you're like in the mood to get a little bit weird, right? Yeah, And, yep. and I think that – and we'll get into some of those more specific songs and, and how you sort of approach them. But what is it, or you know, it's sort of going back in time a little bit, and maybe you touched on this a little bit before. But what is it that that drew you to jazz? And I guess it's it. I don't really, you know, I'm not a professional interviewer or you know, music critic, but like, what what is it about jazz vocally that really uh, resonates with you?
3: Well, for me, it started in high school, and um, I, I grew up in a maybe kind of. I don't know, like a bubble musically, I think, because um, my dad really liked classical music when I grew up. Um, I thus learned how to play the violin at a very young age. I was younger than everyone else playing with me, actually. And I think perhaps for that reason, it was a little hard for me to bond with that music. And even though I heard it in the house all the time, it didn't really speak to me. Um, And then I wasn't really allowed to touch the radio, like that was sort of his domain. It wasn't really accessible to me to like, you know, play around on the radio dial and find other things. And there was a time, there was one evening where, as I said, I was in high school, and he pulled out a record. And it was just decidedly different from anything I'd heard up until that point. Um, And that may seem hard to believe, but it's really the truth. And it was in a record by Ella Fitzgerald. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: I had heard very little vocal music, at least in the house. And her voice just, I mean, it just, I don't know. Like, that was the eureka moment for me. I just felt there was something about the way... Her, the tonality of her voice that somehow resonated with with me really strongly and i thought oh i i really like this and i remember telling him that he's like oh you like this well he goes i have more of these records and things and he opened this drawer and he pulled out all these records from his younger days
0: mm-hmm. that
3: for whatever reason he had sort of hidden away and i don't i never heard them growing up and uh, I exhausted his little collection. I started going to the library and I was listening. What to me, I guess, seemed at the time normal, but when I look back on it, it was voracious. I mean, I was going yeah. every week taking out the maximum number of CDs and the maximum number of tapes that you, there were still cassette tapes back then. And when I, you know, sort of uh, used up the branch that was closest to me, I started going downtown. Wow. And I was, and I, you know, I, was, I wasn't even thinking about singing. I just liked listening to it. I mean, I really liked listening to it. So if I'm answering the question as why I liked it so much, I mean, the quality of the singing with mm-hmm. someone like Ella, and that's who I started with, and then that sort of led me into Sarah Vaughan and Billie Holiday, was just so, I don't know, like, first of all, they were completely distinct sounds. They weren't all sounding like one another. That was something that I think was really different from the pop music that I was hearing at the time. Um, the quality of the songs, the, the messages, the stories, um, m- the melodies—you know—were attractive to me. And you know, when you kind of fast forward into a lot of newer music, like I'm watching stuff, and maybe I, this just—maybe I'm a stick in the mud, but I—you know—it's it, bothersome to me if I can't understand what they're saying.
0: Uh-huh. You know, so, and like, I'm watching yeah, stuff
3: and I'm like, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't know what they're saying. you know? right. And so I guess, I guess sometimes, um, with jazz, those things seem to be held at a higher value. And I think I just, as a listener, I appreciated that. Mm. You know?
2: Yeah. I, I, one, so as a, as a fellow musician, but not a jazz musician, I, I and someone who is not, you know, vocals are not my strong suit. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, um interested and sort of my mind is boggled right when i hear a really 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 good singer and you can just hear that they believe it and they're not just doing it because well these are the words of the song but there's like putting the message forth in such a like a really beautiful and like even like charismatic way um so i have a i have a question for you Mm -hmm. and how you take care of your instrument right Mm -hmm. because i think that there's lots of people who can sing but mm-hmm. very very few have have been able to make it their life's work, and I know that, f- for example, my guitar. And I think this is like important for kids to hear, right? When when, when we're singing, sometimes you get to a point where you just like don't just start and go, right? Mm-hmm. But for my guitar, for example, I gotta tune it. I gotta make sure that, like the strap is on, you know, correctly. I have to make sure that the capo's on if I'm using a capo, and all those things. What are some things that you've and and by the way, if this is like mega trade secrets and we're like really opening the <laughs> vault here, feel free to duck this question. But like, what yeah. are some of the like really the ways in which you take care of your instrument?
3: I think when I started out, I might have been a bit more superstitious than I am now. So I had perhaps more routines <laughs> than I do now. I'm a little lax maybe now. But um, I mean, it's always a good idea to warm up. You know, it's a muscle area. So you know, just doing longer tones and that kind of thing, is, it's always a good idea. I actually sort of see, look at it holistically, though. I feel like you want, you know, as much as possible, mind, body, and spirit to be ready. Um, and so, like, doing exercise, for example, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are things that train the whole body and the muscle parts that support your voice to be in good shape um i don't i think i took that for granted a bit too when i started singing because i was i was on the cross country team at school i was running like five miles a day
0: oh yeah
3: and so i was doing a lot of deep breathing long (laughs) long breathing i had you know i was like really strong in my core from -hmm. doing that and so even when i just first started singing i mean i hadn't done any singing at all really besides what i did in the shower or walking And, you know, the first person I sang for said, well, how can you hold notes that long? And I thought, I don't know, they don't, are they that long?
0: Uh (laughs) You
3: know, so, um, but I think, um, I think being, you know, in good condition, physical condition was helpful, I think, because, you know, it's all that, all that part is supporting, you know, it's supporting the voice. So, um, you know, and and other things as I have continued on, and if I go touring and that sort of thing is to make sure you have enough rest and sleep. You know, because your your voice is part of your body. So if you're tired, then your voice is going to sound tired. And making sure you drink enough water, you know, because that keeps the vocal cords hydrated. So all those little things, I guess, just that you would do to be and be healthy and in good shape. Yeah. Um, I think are good for good for your voice too.
2: I I think that like the whole the whole body connections really interesting, you know, like
3: mm-hmm.
2: m- the core stuff makes sense, right? Cuz you you are supporting the the yeah. expulsion of, you know, air which, you mm-hmm. know, in the vibrations and the vocal cords, etc. But like I I would not think to tie it all together. So I think that's a really cool piece mm-hmm. um and a really great insight. So thank you for sharing that. So yeah. so let's turn our attention to to these records that you've made for families. And, you know, if we're looking... The the first one, the very first one came out in 2015 called... I believe in little things, and there, you know, the the song that I, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'll check this out, and I'll, I'll see what's going on here. And the way that I'm going to sort of measure this is by listening to Rainbow Connection, which has okay. a lot of meaning. That was your lit
3: litmus. That stuff. was my
2: exactly, and, yeah. <laughs> you, and you passed, you crushed it. Yay! <laughs> so so so, and it I just, you know, what you were saying before about how you're not, you know. This is like a real jazz album. Like you can hear the the tones in the piano. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can, Mm -hmm. and the and and real instruments, real instruments doing like real like (laughs) real good instrument kinds of things. So
0: yeah, (laughs) I guess
2: before we get to um, before we get to a couple of the specific songs, how do you? Or actually, let's do it this way. So for example, on the brand new record, a cheerful little earful, you have the song A. You're adorable. So. Mm How do you choose that song? How do you arrange it? Like, what are the pieces that need to fall into place for you to feel comfortable going into the studio and recording it?
3: Well, this one is an old song, okay? This is not a new song. And um, I think just because it's an alphabet song, um, people might think it's for, written for kids, but it, it wasn't. You know, it's, it's sort of from the Great American Songbook first. And this is one of the songs, though, that has actually transitioned into children's repertoire. So I think, um, just off the top of my head, I think Sharon Lewis and Bram did Mm -hmm. a recording, for example, of this one Mm -hmm. a while ago. So it has been done by different children's entertainers, um, but not necessarily as a jazz thing, right? So I'm working with two of the best jazz musicians in Canada. And I'm very fortunate that I can bring a song like this to them and be like, okay, work your magic. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh Um, On this one, it's just a duo with with Don Thompson. And he's actually playing a bit of what we call ragtime piano. Um, And that's even a little bit outside from what he normally does. But that's the kind of groove thing that's happening there. Um by, by, me, by the way,
2: sorry, that was a very jazzy thing you just said. A groove <laughs> okay. thing. I liked it. Okay. There you go.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and this and this so with the exception of the fact that this one's ragtime, which we don't normally address that often. It's an older style um in some of the other jazz records that we've done. I mean, really this is how would we we would approach any standard. You know, these mm-hmm. these songs come from the Great American Songbook and then we say as a trio you know first of all do we like this song you know do we like the message do we like the melody do we like the harmonic harmonic structure and then we sort of say as a trio because we've been work- working together for a while do we think we can we have something to say here you know what i mean is this is this a good fit for us and i always say it's a little bit like trying on clothes you know it's like you can go to the store and you look at the dress or whatever and be like yeah that's a nice dress but that doesn't mean it's going to be a good dress on you you know what i mean you have to try it on and so we'll have a little rehearsal where we'll we'll test out the songs and usually it's you know you know what i mean just like if you try on the dress you be like oh this looks good or <clears throat> it's a nice dress but doesn't look good on me. <laughs> and so we filter out songs that way to try and figure out which ones um, just kind of connect with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's... And then, you know, we maybe... Well, the guitar player doesn't actually rehearse with us at all. So really? He just gets the music when we're in the studio. Oh and he's, What you hear there is uh, just what happens in the studio. That's so some, That's
2: some top-level um, stuff there. That's pretty
3: good. He really is. So... Um, <laughs> But it's, uh, so some of the stuff in the studio, it's not it's not overly rehearsed. What you're hearing is pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and especially for Reg, it's very fresh. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, so some of those, we'll usually do one or two takes of something. And sometimes, again, a take just feels right, and we'll go with that. Sometimes the first one's just a bit of a run through to kind of figure out what tempo might be what speed we should be doing it at. And then once we've decided that, we go, we kind of go for it, mm-hmm. you know? I
2: think and the, then, we, voila. <laughs> and then, voila, like, yeah. totally. Uh, one thing that I think is really interesting for, for folks listening to, who have never been in, in like a, a band setting, right? Or been in a, you know, working with people musically is that sometimes, you know, right? It's not always magical, right? It's mm-hmm. not always like, okay, well, we're going to play this and because we're professional musicians, it's going to mm-hmm. be amazing and it's going to be easy, but mm-hmm. but then there are the times when it actually is. So, mm-hmm. that being said, if you were to and I, you know, I I don't know if you have a copy of the record in front of you just to look at the track listings, but my guess mm-hmm. is you'll be able to to name this one sort of off the top of your head. Of the uh, – let me make sure I have my tally correct here. Of the 15 songs that are on this brand new, A Cheerful Little Earful, were there any that you started playing and you were immediately – like you and your your collaborators were immediately mm-hmm. like, this totally works?
3: Um, I think I was – before we tried it, I was a little bit tentative maybe about Music and Me, which is actually a song um, that Michael Jackson sang when he was younger, <laughs> And I wasn't sure because this is, again, this is not really from the Great American Songbook, right? This is, I think it was written in 1974. Um, So, again, it's slightly out of our jazz wheelhouse, but um, we tried that one and we were, all of us were like, oh, it's so, the lyric is so lovely, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think right away we were like, this one, this one definitely is a keeper for sure. We'll have to figure out how to make this one work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and you did, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the other one, and I don't want to give too much away because this is definitely a record that's going to go on on a, you know, there's lots of occasions for this. You know, this could be Mm -hmm. put on in the evening when everyone needs to calm down. I'll speak for myself. I have some very Mm -hmm. energetic. 10, eight, and six year olds that I live with who need to, I think the word is chill.
0: Unwind. Right. Yeah. Unwind.
2: <laughs> Very well done. Very nice. Very nicely said. But yeah. this is the kind of record that you can put on that will set that mood. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I don't want to give too I want parents to explore this for themselves too. But yeah. I, I want to hear a little bit about I Don't Want to Live on the Moon, which is a song that I grew up with um, and a song yeah. that I played for my kids, right? There's some meaning that, you know, it's like I don't. I personally actually do not want to live on the moon. So there's that personal feeling (laughs) to it. But then there's also the fact that, like, you know, it's weird that there's a song about not wanting to live on the moon that I have an emotional reaction to just because of the time of my life being able to share it with my kids. So. For a song like I Don't Want to Live in the, on the Moon, how do you approach that? Because it's like – I guess like the original with, with Ernie is a little yeah. – like there's a lot of flute happening there, and it's very straightforward. <laughs> so when you approach a song like this, what are, what are some of the thoughts that you all are, are putting together?
3: Uh, I have an affinity for moon songs, so I have to say there was, I had a soft spot for this one and I've done a whole album of songs for Star and the Moon uh Stars and Moons and mm-hmm. um I did a lot of research for that album to come up with songs, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh oddly enough, this song I didn't I didn't find I didn't I didn't hear it growing up, although I could have, you know, age wise, but um And then when I did the first children's album as well, it would have been very suitable to go on that album, but I never found it. Mm -hmm. So it was really something that I found uh, too late in some ways for those two first recordings. And um, I just wanted to, I mean, the lyric, it's by Jeff Moss. The lyric is just, to me, is just, it's just super, you know. Um, The idea of, you know, I'd like to visit these places, but I don't really want to stay there. The moon, the sea, the jungle... Um, And, you know, it's a sense, I think, as well as musicians, we we bonded with this lyric because we travel all over the world. You know, we go to Japan, we go to Russia, and it's always exciting to be on the road and to explore these cultures. But, you know, it's that sort of Wizard of Oz feeling of, like, there's no place like home, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, Did we do anything, like, radically different in the way we approached it? I don't think so. And, you know, this is the thing that I think we realized... Um, or I I realized when I was getting the messages from the parents initially about the jazz songs that they were using to let um, let their kids listen to you, and I just thought, you know, this is a song. This is a song. And what do we do with songs? This is how we play them. And so it started to become evident that it didn't even really matter um, whether it was considered a jazz song in the beginning or not, or if it was considered a Sesame Street song Mm -hmm. or a Disney song, or we were just going to approach this material in the way we would any song from the great American, you know, songbook. A lot of those songs as well, don't forget, were not jazz songs in their origin. Really, they were popular music, right? Mm -hmm. They were what people danced to and what they heard on the radio. And so, um, you know, jazz musicians took them on and did jazz interpretations, but they were essentially pop songs back right, in the day. Right. And so all these songs are really, they're, they're all falling into the same category of sort of popular music. And then we're just doing a bit of a jazz spin on them, which yeah. is mostly happening harmonically, to be honest. I think that's fair to say.
0: Yeah,
3: is The harmonies are changing and, and Don, when he's writing the arrangements, he's changing the chordal structures. So it just gives them a different, a little bit of a different vibe.
2: Very jazz. Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and the instrumentation, you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah, you're definitely. not hearing a rock guitar, you're hearing an acoustic guitar. An acoustic, yeah, very and, nicely
2: played too. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, awesome.
3: So I mean, I think that's um, I think that's partly what it is too. I, I mean, so little music for children these days actually has real instrumentation. Hmm. You know, a lot of it is done on sort of synthesizers with with different you know instrumental sounds, but they're not the real instruments. And right. I think that, um, you know, that's, I think that's a bit of a disservice, you know, in some ways for children, because I think they are very sensitive, you know what I mean? And so to hear the different tonalities of of the instruments is really interesting, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, most, most kids, if they're in front of an instrument, are very fascinated with that instrument, um, because it's different, you know, and there's something about it that's yeah. making a sound different from the sound they make. So they want to try and figure out what that is.
2: You know? Yeah, it could be a head headphones on kind of situation to really mm-hmm. hear everything that's going mm-hmm. on. Um, well, thank you for that. So how there There's two records. We should also say that you are uh, you've won two Juno awards, which yeah. is the um the Canadian equivalent of the Grammy Awards. So i uh, I don't take that lightly because that's mm-hmm. something that I think is very, very cool. So congrats to you Thank and you. and you should always. Always feel amazing about that. If you're feeling mm-hmm. down someday, just be like, I want a Juno Award. And that's
3: <laughs> And actually the new awesome. album, this one here is nominated right now.
2: Oh, awesome. And so when is that? When do those awards, like when does that happen?
3: Um, They won't reveal the final selections until March, okay. In mid-March. Okay, mm-hmm. well,
2: I'll, I'll email you and, okay. wish, <laughs> and wish you luck. So, Thank you. Um, well, that's incredible news and well-deserved. So you. how can folks find out more about you listen to the music find out if you're going to be on tour nearby those kinds of things like social media keep up with you follow you find you etc
3: i have a facebook page and that's probably that's probably the best place to if you really want to kind of follow what's happening um, it's just under my name diana panton and then uh, if you want to learn a bit more about the music and all the different albums Um, They're all on my website, which is www.dianapanton.com. That's spelled D I A N A, and the last name is P A N T O N. Um, And uh, yeah, and that has a schedule, and I think, yeah, I've got an email contact and everything through there. Um, Music is available um, on Amazon, on iTunes. I'm going to say I think on Spotify. I'm not sure about that one, but I think it is. Uh-huh. But it's definitely on iTunes and on Amazon as well.
2: Great. Well, I will say even after this nafu, this was 100% worth the wait. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to connect and, and to talk music. Awesome. And thanks for thanks for going where the conversation went. That was really incredible.
3: Thank you. And thank you for making space for jazz on your show.
2: All right. Thanks again to Diana for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks to you for listening. Remember, all those past episodes can be found at goodstuffpod.com. And here is A Cheerful Little Earful from Diana Panton. Her record, A Cheerful Little Earful. Thank you. Talk to you very, very soon.
1: I miss it, something fearful, and this cheerful, little earful, is the well-known I love you. Sun can go down, raindrops flow down, but the stars and moon dust glow down, with a cheerful, public ad phrase but as a pet phrase it'll do 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 she'll be do it nothing to it make me happy you can do it with a cheerful public get phrase but as a pet phrase it'll do do. she'll be do it scatter it, make me happy you can do it with a cheerful